You're listening to the Apple Insider Podcast. Welcome to episode 18 of our show, where we discuss the latest news about Apple, iPhone, iPad, Mac, and more. We're recording on Thursday, May 28th, 2015. Today, we'll be talking about Johnny Ive and his promotion to Chief Design Officer of Apple. Um, the Apple Watch, we've got a couple of great stories about that. Mikey wrote a fantastic pixel meter for iPhone first look. Uh, we've got some Apple Pay news, and we've been running a watch effect series, which talks about how the watch could change iOS and Mac. This week, we have with us Apple Insider Senior Editor Mikey Campbell. Hello. And also Shane Cole calling in from overseas. Buenos dias. And I'm your host, Victor Marks. Let's start right away with talking about Johnny Ive. Uh, Shane, you, you tell me about this news a little bit. Um, well, it's pretty cut and dry. Johnny got it a promotion or a controversial promotion, I guess we should say. Um, some people think it's a actual promotion where Johnny is the new Steve Jobs, um, a.k.a. the arbiter of taste uh, for Apple. And some people think it's a promotion for a promotion in name only that suggests he's sort of on his way out the door. Uh, he's been replaced in his old role by two people, which always makes you feel good. And uh, yeah, there we go. I think it's the latter. I think he wants to retire, truthfully. Um, and this is the third step in a very long and well-designed PR approach to soften the blue when he eventually does go. Yeah, but Apple has traditionally only had a handful of, of C-level roles, right? They've had CEO, they've had COO, they've had CFO because that's mandated, and now they've got CDO. They, they don't have a whole lot more. Pretty much everyone else is a senior VP, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree that it's it's a notable change, right? And that's what everybody who thinks that this is a permanent thing, that's what they hinge it on. But there's nothing saying that um, it's not that for five years, right? I think at the end of the day, the writing is on the wall. It's the watch is out. You know, what's the next big product category? How excited can you really be about, you know, making your iPhone even thinner every year? Well, let me ask. I mean, we've been talking about the car as a product and perhaps this kind of a move frees him up to focus on that where the day-to-day -day of what iOS looks like and what macOS looks like as interfaces and design and hardware design can be handled by those two other people. Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't have a great insight on this, to be honest with you. It's, I, I'm just putting myself in Johnny's position. You've accomplished a lot. You know, it's, by the way, that, that clicking sound in the background is me playing with my new Johnny Ive designed uh, folding UK power adapter. Um, he's accomplished a lot. He's the most famous designer who's ever lived probably at this point. Um, maybe not if you include architects, but in terms of industrial designers, he surely is the most well-known of anybody. But, uh, what about the details? Oh, poor Mikey. He muted himself just as he was speaking. Dieter Rams, Dieter Rams. <laughs> Nobody knew who he was until Johnny started talking about him. Well, I, I should say, I just said nobody. Nobody outside of design Classic designers who love the classic brawn products. 
certainly yes. knew who he was. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I'm a, I'm a design nerd, right? I knew who he was, but John Hugh Public had no idea. Yeah. Um, yeah. If I'm Johnny, I'm just, it's, there's a lot on the horizon. I can go have fun for a while. I have this awesome new $5 billion building to build uh, with Norman Foster. That's going to be awesome. I get to design the desks and the tables and the chairs and all that other crap. But at the end of the day, what am I going to come back to? Apple's not going to do a car. I'm sorry. It's just not going to. There's never going to be an Apple car. Just deal with it, Apple people. There will never be an Apple car. If if I were Johnny Ive, I, I would want to keep the position forever if only to guard against people who, who couldn't uh, be keepers of the flame, you know? Do you think he's – so what you're saying is that he is so invested. He's His heart and soul is an Apple, and he absolutely needs to make sure that it continues on. I think so. Mikey, what do you think? I don't. I don't really agree with that. Um, besides, that kind of uh, that kind of thinking stagnates innovation, and and that's kind of what Apple's about. So, um, if he is thinking that, which I I don't think he is, but if he is, that I, the thinking might be uh, incorrect. Yeah, I mean, I. I hate to say this, right? Because this stuff is very nice, but it's not amazing anymore, right? You think we're seeing variations on the same theme for the past several years now? I do. There's not. I mean, the MacBook is really nice, but the MacBook is a really thin version of the MacBook Air. From an engineering perspective, it's gorgeous, right? But from an actual design perspective, it's the same thing. And I know the, the Johnny Ive answer to that is, well, it's the inevitable conclusion of this form factor. But still, you know, it's just, it's a little boring. I'm not going to lie. And, and you'd say that the uh, the new iWatch, the Apple Watch, forgive me, goodness, the Apple Watch is a interpretation of the iPhone first generation? It's not an interpretation of the iPhone first generation. Okay. I mean, I, I see where people say that, but it's just, it's carrying the same central theme as everything else, right? Open your MacBook Pro, hold your i your iWatch, your Apple Gosh. Watch sideways, put it in front of the display, and look at how similar it looks. I kind of enjoy that aspect of Apple's design um, language over the past, you know, well, ever since they started making the iPads look like the iPhone and not its own, you know, separate species. Um, it it just speaks to a larger ecosystem. And I think once they nail that, then maybe, you know, we'll start seeing some actual change there. I don't disagree that it's nice to have a, co- a cohesive family, right? Of products. Everything looks like it should be together. My problem is that the whole language in and of itself is starting to get old. I also find that problem. It's interesting that one of the things Johnny wants to do is go help with the Apple stores, because I also find that, in the Apple store designs, you know, the aluminum or I guess it's stainless steel everywhere. Aesthetic is just grating. Well, they haven't changed the tables since they got rid of the, the, the white, um, the white tables that they had in the first generation of Apple stores. So Apple stores are probably the longest running existing Apple product that hasn't changed a whole lot since 2005, maybe. Yeah. Well, I mean, just like every everything, we're, we're going to obviously get tired of looking at it 
years and years. So I don't know. At this point, they're selling hundreds of millions of products. So I, I don't know. I guess they don't really need to change right now. They don't need to take those bold steps. And really, I don't know if Tim Cook wants to do that. So, um, yeah, I guess we're going to have to deal with it for at least right, another so few years. I'm just going to do an informal poll. Shane, you, you said there were two sides to this, uh, two, two sides to viewing this story. One is Ive is becoming the arbiter of, of all taste, as Steve Jobs was. And the other side is this is his gentle way out. Where do you fall? Well, there's also, I guess, a third option, which is it's a combination thereof. He is the arbiter of taste for some number of years, and then it's gone. Right, but uh, this is in- inevitably prepping him for his retirement. Is yeah, that what you're saying? I, I think he's preparing to, to be gone. Mikey, you, where do you fall on this? I agree. Um, he's been there a long time, and I. it seems like he may want to step out of the limelight. So I think this is a good way to prep the public for that move. He's he's never really wanted to be in the limelight. I think most of the keynote appearances we've ever seen have always been. Well, yeah, no, uh, he's never taken this video. <laughs> yeah, but I think um, well in the past he's obviously become much more of a figurehead for for Apple's entire you know product range. I mean he's in he's in almost every single video that they uh every single keynote video that they present then um i don't know he just may not want that anymore and he just may be done i mean he's a multi multi millionaire at this point so what else can be done really yeah i think if if johnny is still at apple in five years i will be surprised so going by those those uh those are views and perceptions of, of how this is shaking out. Should we watch for keynote videos that don't have Johnny as the voice of design? No, I think Johnny is going to continue. I mean, he is, it's, he's not the voice of design, right? He is at this point, the face of Apple. And there are a number of reasons for that decision. Chief among them, I think is, this is sad, but true is that Tim Cook is not cool enough to replace Steve Jobs as the face of Apple. Right. Steve is, is not is, he, Steve was a very um, different person than anybody else that's there. And I think Johnny is the only person who has the same kind of rock star appeal. I hate to say that, but the same kind of rock star appeal as Steve, right? If you try to replace Steve with just him, it's not going to work and it's going to hurt the image. I think, um, yeah, I I agree. But I think it's not that, Johnny is similar to Steve or, you know, shares some, they do share some attributes, but I think it's that his, what he is, is just so amplified. It's like, it's like distilled, distilled Ive. And it's just, he just exudes like this personality. Whereas, you know, Tim Cook, uh, you could see yourself. He's, he, he reminds me of a lot of other businessmen. Um, So, I mean, you know, he could be just any businessman walking down the street, but there's, uh, there's only one Johnny Ive. And to borrow from Simon Cowell, Johnny has the X factor. True. And he, uh, he has an awesome British accent. So. Right. Right then. What's so, next? 
let's talk about Apple Watch. Let's talk. We had two stories that were were good and entertaining stories. The first one uh, was that an Apple Watch driver in Canada was fined one hundred and twenty dollars for changing songs from their watch. And one of the questions is: Is this a handheld device? Is it a Bluetooth accessory that's hands free because it's you're not messing with the phone? And should he have been fined? Shouldn't he? What would the right answer be? Well, I guess well, it's. If you're yeah, I mean, well, when I when I wrote it, it's a question of the letter of the law versus the spirit of the law. That's exactly and, what I was going to say. I mean, it, if it's the letter of the law, then you know, there there's a gray area there. It's not a handheld device. It uh, technically falls more on the side of Bluetooth accessory. But if you're going with the spirit of the law, it is a bit distracting to be tapping on um, your wrist. You're still looking at at something. Bluetooth accessories don't uh, normally have really small LCD screens that you know you, you want to look at and interact with. Um, I, I think they have, um, or the the lawmakers are looking for things like hand, like a hands free. Uh, headsets or speakers you know something that that you can manipulate without taking your eyes off the road um an apple watch is not really that device and the idea is to curb distracted driving right and i don't think any reasonable person could argue that fiddling around with your apple watch is not distracting well, yeah. if nothing else it requires two hands the one it's on and the one you're squeezing buttons with or tapping with Yes, which is a problem in and of itself, cars notwithstanding. But yeah, I mean, it's there's no question that it should be considered an actual device. I mean, Florida has the texting while driving law, or they I don't, they may have changed it now. When I left Florida, you know, 87 years ago, there is a texting while driving law. It's illegal to text while you drive. The enforceability of which is questionable because there's no way for the cop to know what you're doing with your hand down below the dashboard, you know, are you texting or are you changing uh, the, the song on your iPod or whatever? And the idea, yeah. the idea was exactly the same as this, this law, this Canadian law, right? Just poorly implemented. And I think that should be the standard everywhere. Don't people, you're driving a 2000 pound death machine. Don't be dicks while you're doing it. Yeah. I mean, a lot of States have that. I think all, do all of them have it now? I think most of them do. I don't know. If not all. Well, here in, in Hawaii, you can't even touch. I think it's like the same as this guy's uh, in Quebec. I think it's similar to that law. You can't even you, you can't even touch a device. If you have it in your hand, you'll be you'll be fined and it's um you know up to the officer to uh kind of determine whether or not you're touching your phone or not. So, um yeah, I know, but it, things like this, uh, you know, getting the attention um, it did in the media is maybe a good thing for for the whole uh, for the whole movement of distracted driving yeah. or a whole movement against it because people you know think twice about it. Like, oh yeah, I didn't think about that. You know, maybe I shouldn't be talking to Siri while yeah. well. Driving my Siri should be Volvo. fine, right? I'm using that in CarPlay all the time. Yeah, but you, to invoke it, you have to lift up your hand and you know say "Hey Siri" or whatever. I don't know. You know, no, I don't it's have to just, lift anything. I'm just. It's probably worth noting that this exact conversation is the entire reason Google is investing so much money in driverless cars. 
mm. so that you can do these things while you're in your car and Google things more and they'll make more money off of your searches. Yes. Now, the other cool store that we had that was really popular was also around Apple Watch. And in this case, it's Apple Watch for canines. Okay, I heard the sigh. What was the sigh for? Uh, it's a non-story. <laughs> a very, it's a very so popular non-story. Take us through. This story was pretty popular. Take us through it really quickly. Okay. A really rich guy in China posted a picture of his dog on his dog's Weibo account, posting as though his dog were doing the posting, showing off his dog's two new gold Apple Watch editions. Now, the Apple Watch editions in question in America cost $10,000. In mainland China, they cost $14,000. That's before strap options, right? Yes, yes. This is with the sport band. So this is for the billionaire on a budget. So dude posted these two things with his dog, and the Chinese internet went insane. It's worth noting that the particular guy who did it is famous for being ridiculous. His dad is the richest man in China. Um, he runs the Dalia Wanda Group, which is a huge property developer, um, and also just bought a major American movie theater chain, I think. I can't remember. Maybe AMC. But uh, yeah. So he has a crap load of followers who follow him because he does ridiculous things. He posted before his dog with a little, you know, the little, the barrels that St. Bernard's have in paintings barrels and stuff. Of, of whiskey or brandy. Yeah. He posted a picture of his dog with like a Fendi bag in that position. All right. So instead of, a, instead of a barrel of whiskey, his husky had a Fendi bag. How, so people. How, a real Fendi bag or a knockoff Fendi bag? Well, it's China, so I assume a knockoff. And I don't think Fendi makes bags for dogs. How dare he? You never know. How dare he rub rub our faces in his opulence? <laughs> yeah, I know. So yeah, That's there. You go. I mean, Whatever. dude, dude posted some gold a picture of his dog with some gold Apple watches with a ridiculous caption. The Chinese internet went insane, and when the Chinese internet goes insane, the rest of the internet also goes insane. So there you have so, it. Lots, lots of jealousy. I feel. Were they were they jealous? In China, or were they like, this is amazing? Um, it was mostly mostly jealousy and a little bit of, oh my god, I can't believe what I'm seeing. I like it. Good move. Dude has to follow up by posting the, uh, the, the health circles for the pedometer. Well, he, he po followed up with the, uh, the heart rate, the pulse. Apparently cool. his dog was very calm, uh, 58 beats per minute at the time. So, there you go. It's awesome. pretty impressive that it reads it through the fur. It looked like he had like parted the fur or something, but yes, I agree. Considering Actually, that you can't get a reading through your arm hair, I think. Uh, no, I, I can get, I can. With oh, you the watch. can. Yeah. Oh, you do have copious arm hair. So I do. I do. What if you shaved the, the dog's arm hair? I bet, I bet that would uh, cause some outrage, you know, just to get a better reading. Probably. You know, anecdotally, this has nothing to do with that, but. I haven't actually, I live in the land of conspicuous consumption and I have not seen an Apple Watch edition yet anywhere. I haven't seen an Apple Watch. I've seen a few, but I've, they've all been sports. Well, like sport bands. I haven't seen anyone with a more expensive, uh, actually that's not true. At the Apple store, 
they almost all have stainless steel Apple watches, but none of them have um, like the, the link bracelet. They're all leather loops mostly or sport bands, but in the wild, I've never seen a more expensive watch on anyone. Apple watch. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. To give you an idea of where I live around the corner, literally around the corner from my house between me and the supermarket that I walk five minutes to every day, is a Rolls Royce dealer next to a McLaren dealer next to a Mercedes dealer. So, on my way to buy baguettes, I often stop in and you know check out a McLaren on the way. And I haven't seen an Apple Watch. So. Interesting. Very nice. So, Mikey, you wrote a first look at Pixelmator, Pixelmator for iPhone. Mm-hmm. And Pixelmator has been around a long time. It was started by two brothers in I think 2006. Uh, when they wrote it first for Mac. And then it was a part of the iPad keynote last year. Yep. And and now it's just come to iPhone. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah. So it's basically um, an iPhone-ready version of the iPad app that they released uh, last year, I think. Um, so it's a universal app. Um, but it has a few pretty interesting and powerful features that, you know, make it worthy of one of the best editors on, on iPhone and well, actually for iOS altogether, I think I said, um, including I, iPad apps and it, it really is a good app. It's smooth. Uh, it's really fast. The effects are very, um, realistic, like, uh, the water, watercolor effects. And, um, they just did a really good job. Uh, overall the the ui is also fairly well implemented as far as you know hiding tools and different filters and stuff um, hiding them away when you don't need it and leaving the uh the canvas pretty clean for for work um yeah the the only downside is that it it is a small screen so i mean they can't really do anything about that but it it does uh it does kind of prohibit you know fine tuning of image of images you know you have to zoom in um if you want to do it on on the pixel level you have to zoom in really close you know use your finger make some edits and then zoom out and you know rinse and repeat so that's the only downside <clears throat> but i really like the layers the, the integration of layers editing is is huge let me ask a question. I, I used to use the iPhoto application that Apple had released for mm-hmm. iOS. And one of the problems that I had was that I, I never felt confident when I was using it because so many of the tools were hidden and it relied on a lot of gestures that I just couldn't discover easily. Ah. Yeah, this is just, it's either, you know, just you can operate the entire thing with two fingers. You don't need to use that many gestures. It's all basically tap and hold to apply paint brushes and <clears throat> effects like swirl effects and um, lens effects or filters or whatnot. So you can just do that with one finger if you wanted to. The only, the only reason you need a second one is to zoom in. Like I said, the screen is small. So if you want to get in there and do some fine detail, then uh, you're going to have to zoom in. But besides that, you can just use one finger to operate the entire thing. So when you're editing, is it destructive edits or are they... No, are they... it's uh, non-destructive. So um, everything is saved to their own layers and 
you can uh the original image is retained so it's uh pretty advanced in that sense it sounds really powerful for an ios application i was yeah, they, just about uh, to say that yeah it's uh they used a i was a they used what did they use they used metal um and uh some they're using OpenGL as well. I think I have I have the spec sheet here somewhere. Oh, maybe I deleted it. Um, yeah, they're using a lot of Apple's first-party developer tools, and they're integrating it very well. Um, so it's fast, and it is very powerful. It should is it definitely worth five dollars? So if you yeah, what's yeah. what's really interesting about the um, the amount of good stuff Pixelmator has put out recently is that they're actually in Lithuania. They're based in Vilnius. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. They're not in the Valley or anywhere else. And I talked to them a couple of years ago, actually. I interviewed those guys and they said that it's the hardest problem is getting is, uh, or one of the hardest problems is finding competent developers, right? And he said that where they are, there are very few that are familiar with Apple platforms. So they have to basically teach them all everything, you know, from the ground up, by um, which I think makes it all the more impressive what they've managed to achieve. Yeah. This, uh, I usually talk with Solius, what, one of the brothers. And yeah. They're both really like hands on and they, I don't know how they do it, but they manage pretty much everything from PR to uh, development to. Um, I don't know. I guess hiring and stuff. Yeah. So it's uh, I don't I don't know how big. Do you know how many um? Do you, how, do you know how many employees they have there? Uh, I think they're between twenty and thirty now, somewhere in there. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. it's pretty crazy. I mean, to build that and do what they've done from there, um, in the market that they've done it in, is pretty impressive. Well, maybe I mean, they're like they're like monks they they have nothing else to do but the, the thing that i've always loved about their their product pixelmator and what they're doing is that uh, when they set out to do it originally they bought the lowest spec macbook that they could get and made it run well on that so that it didn't matter you didn't have to have the very best machine like you do with some adobe products and and yeah. i think that philosophy still is going on i mean obviously it doesn't run very well on that same 2006 macbook now but they're, they're still making it accessible to everyone. Yeah. I wish yeah. more developers these days would focus on performance more. I mean, it's, it's a buzzword now, right? So we're making this very performant, but especially when it comes to web development, it's just gone totally out the window. Um, and the yeah. fact that they are, they do it so well in this specific niche, right? Image editing, which is generally speaking, computationally intensive. Um, I just, it's amazing. I'm a big fan of Pixelmator. Yeah. I also like, um, that it doesn't offer, you know, superfluous features kind of like, um, you know how Adobe has like 5,000 apps and they just do one thing or, and a couple other things that are, you know, "Eh, I don't care. There's there's no technical or commercial debt for them. Right. They do what they feel they need to do or what their customers tell them they need to do. Right, they yeah. don't have to support the publishing workflow from 1987. So yep, there's something to be said for that. Yep, Pixelmator is uh, it's good stuff. Yeah, highly recommended. 
I think we all agree. So $4.99 on the App Store and people who'd purchased it previously for iPad are updated for free in the in the uh, iOS App Store. Oh, really? It's a universal app? It's a universal yeah. app now. Well, I, uh, I bought it for iPad originally and I went to check today. It was simply updated for for iPhone as well. Yeah. yeah. So if you, if you own the uh, previous one, you'll now have two. Nice. This is actually, it's actually a pixel meter for iOS version two, but um, they're just really uh, pushing that, that iPhone compatibility. So if you have it, you should see it updated. You can use all those cool new tools. Very cool. So next story is about Apple pay. And as, as you guys know, I'm a big fan of Apple pay and Apple Pay is coming to Target, which was originally one of the uh, the currency or MCX partners, and they said, we'll never do it, we'll never do it, and now it looks like it's happening. Target. Le Target. The place you go when you don't want to shop at Walmart. That is so spot on, it's scary. That's exactly... I'm, I know, I'm American. I've That's... I've done the Walmart Target dance before. I was in college once. Yeah, no, my, my wife refuses to shop Walmart if she can help it. Not for any political reason. She just feels like the stores feel dirty to her. Even I when they're perfectly agree. clean and they're they're a fran- brand new store that's just been built and it's the, the fresh install of the uh, the whole interior design of a Walmart. We're going to get a lot of shit it. for being snobs for saying that, but I completely agree. You know, I, I will go there on my own just because, sadly, some things are cheaper. That's just how it is, whatever. Um and I know exactly how they get those things cheaper and that's right, whatever. But, but we go to target frequently and having Apple pay at target is going to be awesome. So the big news here is that um, MCX has essentially just given up on life. Apparently they're not going to have a beta out until the summer. Well, I guess we're approaching summer now, but they don't even have a beta out yet. They don't expect to have a wider launch. I think they said until the fall at least at which point we'll have Android pay, right? And it's even more clear that they've just completely failed because Best Buy, who is also a notable holdout and recently uh, said they bring Apple Pay in, uh, is a launch partner for Android Pay, which will be uh, with Android M announced today sometime um, in the third quarter. So I don't know what the hell is going to happen with MCX, but I don't see an amazing future for them. I think, well, yeah, I mean, they're, their future was already written when uh, what's, what's that? What was the former CEO, CEO's name? Deckers. I don't forget his first name. Was. Yes, they they changed CEOs. Yeah, yeah. So I, I forget what his first name was. Anyway, so when when he said um, that MCX would uh, uh, he changed his stance, saying that oh you know we're just going to try the exclusive thing for just a, just a little while, and then we're going to roll in all these other. Um, payment options like apple pay or whatever he didn't he didn't uh, name drop them but you know other apple or other um mobile payments options in uh mcx partner stores i think that was a point where uh we realized that he knew it was the end well i think the i think the other thing is that i don't know if this is true on a wider scale but it seems to me that americans are becoming more and more financially savvy since uh, 2008 uh, when everyone essentially died that wasn't, you know, uh, prepared. 
and died financially. I mean, obviously there wasn't a mass genocide or anything. Um, and MCX's deal, right, is they connect directly to your checking account. Is that how it works? The idea was that you would pay and then they would debit it directly from your checking account. You have to tie your checking account to your yeah. MCX account. Yeah. That's, that's just a recipe for disaster for me. What? No way. Totally like, safe. I couldn't, I couldn't possibly see a scenario in which I would allow that. I mean, I don't even how, have my checking account tied to PayPal. How are you offended by the idea of Walmart being able to reach directly into your checking account? Why? Well, that- it's, not, it's not so much Walmart. It's uh, maybe the people who shop there. I'm, I'm just saying, right? Even if you say it's Best Buy, right? You're a, you go to Best Buy, you buy a television. The transaction somehow gets mingled, which has happened to me before, right? And you, instead of paying $900 for television, you pay $9,000 for television. You're obviously that's going to get fixed, but it might take a couple of days. And in the meantime, you're totally screwed because all your cash is gone. You have a $8,000 overdraft. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's no way in hell that that would ever fly. I don't think in the wider market. Yeah. I'm so glad we're not using that. Yeah. I mean, people do it for PayPal, right? You link your checking account to PayPal, but I think only because PayPal is a necessary evil. Because they're, for whatever reason, they're the only ones that can possibly handle um, international transactions in a decent way. Well, I'm waiting for... There's uh, also NetTeller or whatever, but NetTeller is the sketchiest thing that's ever been made by man. But but is it possible that Apple Pay and and perhaps Android Pay down the road? I mean, Google Wallet has already allowed for international transfers between people just using the email setup. Um. Is there any reason why why Apple Pay can't become that person to person handler internationally? I mean, I don't think that's what they're really that's what they're really going for. Uh, well, that seems for that seems like a that seems like a whole lot of regulation that will not. Now, where you could see that is Square. Square Cash is really nice. Uh, I've been using that since it came out, and I'm a big fan. Um, and I think that. The, I think the difference here, in my opinion, the difference is that Apple wants to work within the existing banking system right they don't they don't want to become a financial services company right they want to put a very shiny front end on everybody else's financial services whereas to do something like that you have to actually be in that business that makes sense it does yeah so there you go that's why i don't think that'll ever happen square may well do it or somebody like bring into your stripe a processor that's already moving internationally okay i mean the thing about what apple's done is i think they've they've by putting a good front end on things and by using the secure element and and making it so that uh credit card fraud is is a lot harder they've staved off even more regulation you know if if there was going to be continued credit card frauds and these huge apocalyptic things like Target or Home Depot and and those awful things where they stole that many people's data. You'd think that the government would get involved. And by EMV and Apple Pay coming into it, I think it probably staves off further regulation. Do you agree? Well, I mean, luckily, this is a, a situation in which capitalism actually works for consumers because the credit card companies themselves have a vested interest in this not happening anymore. Yeah, and they also don't want to invite further regulation. Yeah, I mean, Visa, Amex, and Master Visa, I think, led 
basically led the charge to bring EMV to the States, as far as I can recall. Maybe that's wrong. Um, but yeah, they have a vested interest in reducing fraud. I mean, which is already really low um, to begin with, but bringing it even lower is, you know, millions of extra dollars in profit for them, um, which I think is why it was so easy for Apple to convince them to give 15 basis points per transaction. Cool. Well, you know, we had Trader Joe's rolling out last week. We had Best Buy. We've got Target coming as as Apple Pay. Um, I'm optimistic for more and more places turning it on. Yeah, I still haven't used it. Really? I mean, in my day-to-day life, so I haven't had a need or an opportunity to do so besides testing. If my primary bank were on board with it, and they say they are, they just haven't had it uh, been a part of any of the announcements of all the additional institutions coming online, I would be using it every opportunity I could. Yeah, I mean, I use it every opportunity I can now. I don't even live in an officially supported country. I don't have many stores here that support it. Well, you don't you, do you use cash. I mean, you're in Hawaii, obviously. So do you use cash a lot? No, credit card. No, really? Yeah. Just no place that takes... Uh, I guess the places that I shop at don't support it. So. Yeah, okay. No, the McLaren dealership does not support it. I'm sorry. <sighs> I know. I went down there. I tried to get the uh, MC12. What is that? You don't want the P1? Nah. I'm a P1 guy all the way. No, not for the flash. (laughs) Nice, nice road machine. But they didn't say no Apple Pay, so I said no sale. The one they have uh, in the window at the dealer by me, they usually have two. Right now they only have one. It's um, bright orange, like blindingly bright orange directly next to all the there's two phantoms in the rolls royce dealer next to them one black and one white so you have this very nice understated black and white rolls next to a bright orange mclaren it's amazing just an excellent walk ah mclaren so on apple insider we've been running a series for the past week called watch effect and the watch effect articles have been pretty popular and they've all been sort of editorializing around the idea of what parts of the watch interface could migrate back to iOS for the phone and iPad or back to the Mac. And uh, Mikey, have you been writing any of these? Have any of these got your byline on them? Yeah. It's more of a, it's not exactly what it could bring back. It's more of a, what we'd like to see, you know, carry over um, from watch uh, it watch has a number of interesting UI features that would make life a lot easier on iPhone, for example. I think um, uh, the one I wrote was uh, what was the one I wrote? The Force digital, touch. yeah, for oh yeah, for such and digital crown. Uh, obviously, one well, obviously, but I don't think that we're going to see an iPhone with a digital crown anytime soon. <laughs> As soon as, as soon as I read your headline, wheel comes back. Awesome. As soon as I read your headline, my brain went back to the BlackBerry wheel. Yeah, new. No. So there hopefully was the Motorola that had a had a digital crown kind of wheel on the Q. Yeah, I think uh, yeah, some Sony devices also use the rotary input. But the, in uh, any case, I think gosh, we could see palms made by the old Sony palms had a, a jog dial kind of thing going on. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, those were. Yeah. Okay, but I mean, now we have multi-touch, so there's no need for that. 
and the screen is quite massive, so we don't need to worry about obscuring it with our fat fingers. So, um, but what the digital um, crown, the way that it it handles UI tasks is is interesting. You know, the list scrolling and um, all that kind of stuff. So, what I'd like to see is maybe instead of you know just bringing over the hardware aspect, bring over the software side of it and perhaps implement it with um, with force touch um, I think the example I offered was um, scrolling scrolling speed like you could uh, you could theoretically put your finger on the screen swipe up start scrolling and use force touch to um, control the speed of that scroll operation um, which uh, you know might be interesting. We'll see. My favorite um, part about the digital crown is actually the little feedback that you get when you've gone too far in a list. Oh yeah, I mentioned that in my yeah. Too, so, yeah. so for those of us who don't have the watch, can you tell me what that's like? Describe it for me. It's like a rubber band. Okay. Yeah, it's when, when you when you hit the end of the list, right? You you get the rubber banding effect from iOS, but you also get a little tap on your wrist. Um, and when it's difficult to describe, but essentially it feels like force feedback in the crown itself, even though it's not, and I know it's not, my brain is aware that it's not right. It's the vibration motor inside the watch, but it feels that way. Um, yeah, sometimes I, sometimes I feel like, uh, it, it does have that force feedback kind of, um, thing where it, the friction, you yeah. know, how, you know. But I know it, it's not, but it does feel like that, which is cool. Yeah, I really enjoy it very much. I would love to have that. So I, after spending a couple of weeks with the new 13-inch MacBook Pro with the Force Touch trackpad, I am totally on board with our new haptic feedback overlords. There was, I always was a little bit skeptical about what I really want my trackpad to vibrate in my finger. But now, yes, yes, I do. All the vibration. Yeah. I'm totally down for haptic feedback in touch screens now. Yeah. Before it was kind of, it was kind of, uh, uh, you know, hackneyed with their other, other makers, like haptic uh, response didn't feel right. I think the most successful up to this point was Microsoft's um, force feedback, like joysticks yeah. and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but after that, I didn't, I don't know. I didn't, it just felt like they were just using a regular vibratory motor that I don't know, wasn't it really just happened to spin and coincident with yeah, something else just, you'd done. Well, it, but I mean, it was just yeah, spinning. You, yeah. you could see, you could feel the various levels of vibration, but it didn't really translate into anything meaningful or recognizable. Whereas Apple Watch and uh, or Apple's uh, implementation of it actually feels like things that you're. It's in your muscle memory. You, you kind of uh, it tricks your mind, I guess, which yeah. is interesting. Yeah. Cool. Well, we've been having this uh, series going on. I think we're going to have a few more added to it, and people should go ahead and check it out at appleinsider.com dot uh, com slash topic slash watch plus effect, or or simply go to appleinsider.com dot com and you'll see them there. Yeah, we've talked about uh, the force force feedback, obviously. I think, Mike, you're doing one on Taptic Engine, aren't you? I am. 
Yes. Yeah. We've done uh, Tap to Wake, which I would also very much enjoy having in my phone. Um, I think there's one on OLED coming. How switching to how what Apple's done to uh, make the Watch UI work uh, and take advantage of switching to OLED could help or could move over to the to iOS. We've seen that a little bit there. The Watch app UI matches the Watch, right? It's dark. It's the only, as far as I can think of, other than iMovie, it's the only Apple iOS app that's dark. And so it feels a little bit out of place. But uh, I guess there's a possibility, you know, in the future we could see a dark, a dark iOS, iOS 10 or something. I'd also maybe like to see a rejiggering of the um, of Springboard on on iPhone and iPad. Not quite what Apple Watch is, because I I feel like that's kind of a mess. But um, that the whole grid pattern thing is getting kind of old. Yeah, it is. I mean, I for various reasons I'm not invested in the Google ecosystem. But if I was, um, I would. I really like Android as an OS. I'm sorry, you know, I'm to all the you Apple fanboys listening. You don't have to apologize listening. to us. To all the, I'm apologizing to you. I'm apologizing to all the Apple fanboys listening. I really like Android as an OS, as a mobile OS. Uh, there are some thing, some things that does really poorly, really poorly. Like it's only going to get um, granular permissions, privacy permissions in Android M, which was announced today. Um, whereas we've had that in iOS for you know forever. But um, some of the things they do, they do really, really well. And I think that their home screen customization is one of those things. And I would desperately love to have, I, it will never happen because it's not how Apple rolls, but I would desperately love to be able to do even half of the stuff uh, to my home screen that you can do with an Android home screen. Yep. Okay. So we know that's your top wish. Uh, Mikey, what are your two top wishes for things from Watch to come to iOS? Um. I'm excited for the Taptic engine to come over. Um, there's, you know, been rumors about that. So um, it wouldn't be that much of a departure for Apple to include it in their next generation. Um, the engine itself that they made is a linear actuator. So it's already being used in the current iPhone. They just have to make it a little, little bigger. It'd be interesting if they could fit two in there or more on opposite ends of the phone, you know, like the top and the bottom or whatever, and see what they can do with that. What kind of feel they can uh, create. Be kind of kind of cool. Sounds do good. You, that's my uh, top feature. Do you find yourself um I don't know how I don't know how you use the watch. Do you use passbook on the watch? Uh yes. Do you find yourself wishing for a passbook glance? Um, yeah, that'd be nice. I use, um, uh, what do I use? Where's my phone? My phone's not here. I use an app to, uh, that's a shortcut to that, that I put in the, um, that I put in notifications, but it's not really a glance, but a glance would be nice though, since it's something I do access quite often. Like I was, I went to Starbucks today because I'm a terrible white American and, um, did you have I a flat wanted... white? Did I what? Did you have a flat white? Uh, no, I didn't. I had a grande latte. Um, Typical. But I, I wanted to pay with my Starbucks, my virtual Starbucks card, whatever, my watch, because I'm also a huge nerd and I like paying for things on my watch. 
and the process to go to actually get to Passbook. Um, if it's a Starbucks that's in my favorites, right, it'll automatically surface. But the process to go and actually get into Passbook on the watch and then get the Starbucks card and then pay with it is a little bit ridiculous. So I would like some sort of some form of better access to that. Yeah. Sad that the uh, even the Starbucks app doesn't have its own or its glances like rewards. Why would I? Yeah. Why would I want to look at that? Yeah, I don't know. Anyway. One, one other thing I'm absolutely not, we've already seen this happening in iOS 7 and iOS 8. One thing I am not looking forward to bringing from the watch is hidden um, UI controls mm. where you have to suss out what to do. You got to read the manual. What's a, uh, what's a good example of one of those things you hate? All the force well, touch controls. Yeah, pretty yeah much. all the force touch controls where you basically have to just try and force touch on every single thing to see what you can do. Um, my favorite current example is the mail app on the Apple Watch. So when you get, um, when you're looking at an email from within the mail app, right, you can force touch on the, on the mail and you can flag it, mark it as read or archive it directly, right? or delete it, depending on who your email provider is. If you get an email notification, you cannot force touch on the notification. You have to scroll all the way to the bottom of the email, and since some emails display their entire text content, that can take a while to get to any sort of control to dispose of that email. Right? Why is the control not the same everywhere? Why? I don't... Can you, what is, can you swipe left from uh, those notifications? Swipe or is that left. only in the mail app? Yeah. Or is that only in the mail app? You can swipe you... right to to clear it. Um where did I swipe? Where... Oh, oh god. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> I mean I mean on the I mean on the watch, not on the phone. Yeah. Swipe left. Okay. Oh, uh, it might be just it be in the app itself. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, in the app itself, you can swipe it, but you can't swipe on the notifications or force touch them or anything else. Yeah, I think you just, well, doesn't swiping left just uh, go notification by notification clearing? It doesn't give you an option to yeah to delete it. Yeah, I've actually yeah. defaulted to clear all. I don't even do the swipe to clear individual ones. Even when it's only one, I just force touch and clear all. Mm, yeah, that's true. So I find myself doing that. Or turning off notifications completely for apps that are irritating. Yeah. Another so thing if that... If I'm hearing this right, you need better notifications, better access to Passbook, better glances, and less mystery media interface. Yep. Basically, there are a lot of little things that are done wrong that I think probably could have been done better if the watch did less out of the box. Right? Like, another excellent example is the fact that when you are replying to a message, like an iMessage from a notification, you have the watch in and of itself has, let's see, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 18 preset replies. Or you can dictate a reply, obviously. When you're replying to a, to a message from a notification, you only get a subset of that existing subset of possible replies, right? So like yeah. earlier, my wife messaged me and said, are you at the store? And I couldn't reply yes. Yes was not an option to answer that question. 
So did you, I, uh, I, did you configure your responses? I assume you did. In on the, the watch? Messages. In the messages? Well, the watch app on um, iPhone. I didn't know you could do that. The custom responses? I didn't know you could do that. Today uh, I learned. To, to yeah. For our listeners, you can customize your responses. Yeah, so you can go into the messages app on, um, no, not messages app, the uh, iPhone, I, no, the Apple Watch app on iPhone under messages, and you can, see, I don't have my phone. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see it here. So, so, so tell us those will show up. Those will show up um, in when you get a notification and respond from there. Those will show up at the bottom after Apple's suggested and usually uh, not or completely unrelated answers. So that's even that is a, I'm looking at it now. Even that's a terrible system. Why yeah. wouldn't you do all their 18 answers? Generally speaking, suffice for most replies you're going to do from the watch. Why can't you just show me all of them? You know, why do I get a different set in the notification and a, and a different set in the messages app? Number one rule of UI design. For those of you who don't know, I'm a designer. Number one rule of UI design. Do not confound the user's expectations. And yeah. the Apple Watch also, in many, many, many ways confounds my expectations. They also did a very poor job in managing expectations. Yes. For watch, so. Um, yeah. Yeah. My current, my favorite Apple Watch bug, not just terrible feature, but bug. Sorry, this has turned into an Apple Watch complaining session. Is that settings are not properly mirrored between the watch and the phone. So every time I have the, there's a, there's an option um, in the Apple Watch app to automatically install um, new apps on your phone that oh, have a companion God. Apple Watch app. I have that turned off, but every single time one of my iPhone apps that has a companion Apple watch app updates, it still gets installed on my watch. Every time. <laughs> the, so it doesn't even so respect what you've set. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's weird because the same thing happens to me, but it doesn't install. It'll, it'll install like the icon or yeah. give me a, an installing icon, but the app is inactive on watch, but it's still there. So I have to go into the iPhone and, uh, reinstall it there and then uninstall it again. Yeah, mine are like half and half. Oh my God. So some yeah. of this is rough around the edges. Some of it is poor choices. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The, the other good one is the mute, is the mute switch, the mute control. Uh, if you mute your watch, in this, go to the settings on your watch and mute notification sounds. That setting is also available in the app, in the Apple Watch app. But when I'm muted on my watch, the setting in the the corresponding setting in the app is not muted, right? The slider is is off. So yeah. if I go into the sound pane in the Apple Watch app, it will unmute my watch. Yeah. So I also found a another bug. Like I have a, um, I have the uh, Do Not Disturb settings applied to both my watch and phone, mm-hmm. but um, it's the same on both I've set them. Um, but if I say if, if the watch is charging in the morning and it passes the time when, you know, it's supposed to wake itself up and start giving me alerts again. And I haven't put it on when I put it on, it'll stay in that mode um, until I manually switch it out. Even after linking with my, my iPhone figured that out the uh, the hard way after I was not getting notifications for like three hours. So, hmm. 
if you are the product manager responsible for watchOS and you're listening to this podcast, one, stop listening after this sentence. Two, please, dear God, overhaul your QA team. Please, please. Whoever's in charge, fire them, hire new people because this is just ridiculous. All right. Should we wrap up the episode on that note? <laughs> yes. Following mm-hmm. my following my rant. Following a fervent plea to uh, yes. to the Apple Watch product manager for a new QA team, this has been the Apple Insider Podcast for May 28th, 2015. Mikey, where can people find you on the internet? Um, on Apple Insider and on Twitter, I'm MikeyCampbell81. And Shane, where can people find you? As ever, I am on Apple Insider. Well, thanks for listening. If uh, if someone decides to distill and bottle the spirit of Johnny I, we will tell you all about it next week on the Apple Insider Podcast. Thanks for listening. Share with your friends, and please consider leaving a review on iTunes. <laughs>